0: oh my God, what do do I do? I know they're Catholic. I I don't know how they feel about queerness. They don't know that my parents are lesbians.
1: You're listening to Houses on the Moon podcast. The unheard voice. Amplified. 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 Making a home for stories in uncharted space since 2001. This is Jeffrey Solomon, co-founder of Houses on the Moon Theater Company in New York City. In this episode of Houses on the Moon podcast, we'll hear another true tale from our cross-cultural LGBTQ story-sharing project, The Q-Story Stream. Corey Bratby-Rudd was 17 years old when she received her acceptance into a foreign exchange program. But her lifelong dream became filled with dread over what a host family would think about her two moms— her story explores the tension between wanting to belong and being true to family and herself. After the story, I'll talk with Corey about her life and participating in the yeah. Q-Story stream, so stick around. Now, here's Corey Bradby Rudd telling her story, Certificate of Fluency.
0: So I'm 13 years old, and I'm at dinner with my grandma. She has her white wine, and she's cutting steak, and it's a fancy dinner, and I already feel really out of place. And uh, she turns to me and she says, Corey, and I I can tell she's about to impart some essential wisdom. And she says, Corey, when you go to school, don't tell anyone your parents are gay. Otherwise you won't make any friends. I didn't know which elder I should respect at this moment. I didn't know if I should defend my mom's and disagree with my grandma, or if I should just nod, as you're supposed to do with your elders, right? Um, so I was, I was hitting the gut. Fast forward, I'm home. I'm 17 years old, and I've signed up for a foreign exchange program with the Rotary. I've taken five years of Spanish. I've gotten my little certificate of fluency. And I was super excited and I I really wanted to go to Spain and I, I saved up for this for a few years by working summers as a soccer referee. So finally the acceptance letter came in the mail from the rotary and it's this big envelope. And I remember I was so excited to get it. I knew what it was immediately. I opened it and the first page had this huge picture of the host family on it. And they were standing right in front of a very large church. And that makes me kind of nervous. But I'm sitting with one of my moms, Tammy, and I continue to translate the host family's questionnaire for her, which is written in Spanish. And in it, they say they're very devout Catholics and that I'd be expected to join them at church every Sunday. And I'm like, "Uh uh-oh. And I'm thinking, do they know my parents are lesbians? And I'm getting a little worried. I don't want to go on this exchange and show up and have them kick me out or have her come to us and have her not know that my parents are gay and have that just blow up. So I call the Rotary and I'm like, hey, I just want you to call them. Can you please just confirm, make sure that they know that my my parents are lesbians so that we can all just make sure that this is a happy trip. I get a call back the next day. Sorry, trip's not going to happen. Family backed out of the program. I'm crying, and my mom, Tammy, says, I'm so sorry that you're going through this because of me. And it was so devastating because it wasn't her. It was their homophobia. Luckily, though, the Rotary, they they sort of pull through a little bit, and... They end up sending me another packet with another acceptance and it's for a family in Ecuador. And so I still get to go somewhere that speaks Spanish. And the way the family's set up, uh, they had a mom, a dad, and a daughter, Carolina. She was uh, 16, so around my same age. And the dad lived in a different city. So I would just be staying with the mom and the daughter. So, Carolina had this long black hair, and when I get there, she had this really pink bedroom, and we get along right away, famously. We're, we're typical teenage girls. We're watching horror movies every day. We're eating popcorn. Of course, we're also out partying because the drinking age was not regulated, non-existent. One day, we were maybe two weeks in, and Carolina invites some of her friends over for lunch, and we're all eating a, a fish soup, and one of her friends turns to me, and, and she's like, tell me about your parents, and I'm like, oh god, it's, it's coming out time, um, so I start to slowly go into, uh, yo no tango, uh, And Carolina's mom just immediately jumps in to try to help me with what she thinks is uh, a translation issue. And she says, oh, your family's just like ours. Your, Your dad works in a different city. And I think, oh my God, they don't know that my parents are lesbians. And I've, I've been here for two weeks and now I'm like, oh my God, she's going to be flying to stay with us in another two weeks. And I, I know they're Catholic. I I don't know how they feel about queerness. I was so freaked out. And at this point I hear my grandmother's voice in my head. Don't tell anyone. And I'm just like, oh my God, what do I, what do I do? So I sneak away and I call my other mom, Ruth, and I'm whispering in the back and I'm like, mom. They don't know. What do I do? And so my mom is super calm and firm. And she says, Corey, you have to tell them. And I was just like, oh, God, I don't know what I was hoping for her to say, uh, but I don't think it was that. Uh, So I, I know I need to tell them, but I'm also 17 and I'm putting it off. So every day, I'm trying to build up the courage to tell her, and I don't do it. And it gets to the point where it's like four days until Carolina and I are going to California to stay with my family. It's very close to the wire. And at this point, we're also very good friends. So I was nervous. I was thinking, you know, I I really want to be friends with this person. What if she doesn't like me anymore after this? And... So we're sitting on her bed and we're watching a horror movie and I build up the courage and I pause it and I'm like, Carolina, I have to tell you something. And she's like, what? And again, I'm trying to say it in Spanish, but you also don't learn how to say lesbian in high school Spanish. So I'm like, tengo dos mamas. I have two moms. And she's like, what? And I'm like, no tengo un papa. I don't have a dad. And she's still just like, what? oh my God, at this point, I'm just gonna have to say it in English. So I'm like, my parents are lesbians. And she's like, oh, and that's it. She doesn't say anything else, it's just silent. And I'm freaking out. What is she thinking? She's literally not saying anything. And then after what feels like a few minutes of really awkward silence, she just plays the movie again. And I'm mortified because I have no idea what she's thinking, how she's processing our plane tickets in a few days. What's she going to do? Is she still planning on coming? So the next day, I go down to breakfast. Her mom has made us eggs and all three of us are sitting at the table and everyone's super calm and acting like there's nothing wrong. And I'm still panicking, wondering, what does this mean? Did she tell her mom? I have no idea. And so Carolina, she finally breaks the silence and she says, oh, so I I told uh, my mom what you told me last night and everything's cool. I can't wait to go to California. And she's just nodding and she continues, yeah, we love you. So, of course, we're gonna love all your family. Like, it was the most obvious statement ever. And at this point, I could have just fallen over, really. So Carolina, she goes to California and we get along and she loves Santa Cruz where my family lives and we have a great time. We take her to San Francisco. It really was, it was an epic summer. And after it ends, she goes home and and we both cry. So fast forward, I'm 18 and I'm about to go to college. I'm sitting with my grandmother at another dinner and she has her glass of white wine and there's a pause in the conversation and she tells me, Corey, this is your chance to start fresh in college. Remember what happened with Spain? I'm telling you, don't tell people about your moms. Here I am, hit again in the gut by my grandma. She's so focused on what happened with Spain, she forgets about the love I found in Ecuador. I think about the last time she said something similar, how I was frozen and said nothing, and I take a deep breath and I say, Grandma, if people don't want to be my friend because my parents are lesbians, then I really don't want to be their friend anyways. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just
1: about anywhere. That was a beautiful story. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, thanks, Jeff. It was, it was fun to be here with you.
1: Now, Corey, we know each other, and you know that my husband and I are parents of an eight-year-old son through adoption. And we have also dealt with some homophobia with certain family members. And so I related to your hit-in-the-gut moments from your story so much. How did you get the strength to speak truth to Grandma?
0: Honestly, I feel like the difference for me is, like, I have such a substantial support system, whereas for my mom, I think it's a bit harder for her because she doesn't have her queer elders that she can turn to that, that provide that same support.
1: And from your story, I know that you felt torn initially. You didn't feel like you could necessarily talk about it. You had to try to respect grandma and respect the parents.
0: Yeah, it was It it wasn't. It wasn't easy, and there there was that mentality, and I think it was really difficult for me to navigate. I, I think it would be helpful too to have conversations with a kid too about, like, you know, if, if that kind of thing ever does happen, you can come to me and, like, I'm not going to take it personally because <laughs> I think I just felt like my, I, I felt bad because I didn't want to hurt my. Parents so like when I told this story for the first time my mom was like, I didn't know your grandma said that to you And she felt really bad about it because she was like I felt like I didn't protect you It was like this really strange mix of like I didn't bring it up But I think partially I didn't bring it up because I didn't want to hurt my parents It's just like a really complicated mix of things happening. I think too
1: Um, As a gay parent Which I am Is there some way we can spare our kid from someday feeling shame or the need to hide?
0: It was like going to stuff like gay pride and stuff like that. That was really healing and helpful for me. Finding community, like there's the organization collage, which is really cool. Like they have camps for kids of queer parents and stuff like that, where you can just go and be in community and talk about all of these kinds of things, Um, which is really cool.
1: I'll mention again, Collage, which is the social and support organization for children of LGBT folks. Family Equality Council uh, is a group that does great work, both social and legal and human rights work for LGBT-headed families around the country. And of course, our old friends, PFLAG, dealing with family issues, and GLSEN, dealing with homophobia and transphobia at school and making school more inclusive places.
0: But my hope is that, yeah, eventually we won't even need to have conversations like this because all of the kids will be like, what? Like, that's not even an issue. Which is kind of what comes up when I talk to my sister sometimes about it. Um, It's just like, what? uh, Half of my friends have gay parents. So it's like,
1: okay, cool. (laughs) The gay agenda has finally been realized. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. So in the story, your prediction of homophobia based on that one church photo and realizing that they they were probably a conservative religious family. Sadly, your prediction was correct. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You were expecting rejection, and that's exactly what happened. And I've also dealt with that as a gay man and as a gay parent, that I've often had a preemptive expectation of judgment or rejection. It's almost like a reflex, which can be a good thing because you're prepared, but also, sadly... It can limit you and sometimes reinforce um, a feeling that you have to hide, which, of course, is linked to shame. And mm. we, I experienced that pretty profoundly when we were bringing home our three-week-old son, uh, adopted son, to our home in Jackson Heights, Queens. And we had neighbors who were acquaintances from India. And the son, who was maybe 11 at the time, walked our dog a little a little extra job for some pocket money. And, you know, we were friendly with them. We never talked about being gay with them. I assume they figured out we were two men living <laughs> together and that we were a couple. But then suddenly we brought this baby into the house and I projected on them, uh, I, I assume they would be homophobic. Why? Because they, they were sort of a traditional family. I felt kind of old world. I didn't know that much about them, but I just... I just assumed that it would be really awkward to try to explain why two men are having a baby and so I didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they, um, they turned up at the door with... <laughs> God, I, uh, it's hard talking about this. I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm emotional. No, no, but they turned up at the time. door with gifts and, and, and mm-hmm. sweets and oh, wow. were so, uh, they were so welcoming. And I just, it's so hard to know how to walk in the world.
0: I mean, yeah, sometimes it's terrifying um, to be in a position constantly where you don't know if there's going to be rejection or like how people are going to
1: respond to you. Corey, why did you want to tell this story?
0: Um, It was really healing for me to tell. I think maybe that's part of what helped me get to a place where I can – where it's less um, traumatic, too, is just, like, recounting it, desensitizing myself to the experiences, sharing with other people, because it's also something that, like, a lot of queer folks have found – some type of solidarity or just, like, commonality with, right? Like, we all have these experiences of coming out constantly or, like, that fear of coming out. And just, like, I think talking about it is one of the things that has been extremely helpful for me and, like, getting over all of the shame and all of the those those feelings that I was, I was stuck in for so long.
1: And creatively, can you tell me what the process of putting this story together was like?
0: Shaping the story was a really interesting process because all of the moments in the story that i just told i used to tell them very separately like i might say something about what my grandma said or, or something about this experience uh in ecuador or something about being rejected in spain but i never really combined them until uh working through this story and trying to make it into something really cohesive. And I think what was so helpful doing the personal stories project is, (laughs) Jeff, we had so many sessions where we just talked out and talked out all of these different things. And just elements of our life and then we tried to kind of like piece them together like a puzzle to try to figure out What elements actually went together and what things were maybe part of a different story? I found it really uh, really compelling and it's something that I think I'm excited about and want to keep doing
1: Well, it was really fun and moving working with you on this story
0: I I loved working on Q story stream. I, I hope we get to to do more
1: Stand by. <laughs> Good things will happen. Corey Bratby-Rudd is a queer LA-based writer and co-founder of Influx Collective's queer poetry reading series. She's the author of the chapbook, Cage of Eden. Corey graduated UCLA's Gender Studies department, cum laude, and received her MFA in creative writing from California Institute of the Arts. She was nominated as one of Lambda Literary's 2018 Emerging Writers. The Houses on the Moon podcast is produced by Will Coley, with original music by Raleigh J. Neal II. Special thanks to the Lane Key Family Foundation and to the Broadway Podcast Network for making this program possible. The Artistic Director of Houses on the Moon Theatre is Emily Joy Weiner, Managing Director Kevin Connor. To learn more, find support, and take action, Around on any of the issues explored in today's episode, visit us at housesonthemoon.org. And follow us on Instagram at Houses on the Moon or Facebook at Houses on the Moon Theatre Company. If you'd like to chat with someone directly, DM us on Instagram or Facebook or email us at podcast at housesonthemoon.org. I'm your host and creative director, Jeffrey Solomon. Thanks for listening, everyone. Keep your ear to the ground.